Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux. Today, I am joined by Brian Joyner of Over the Monster. You can find Brian on Twitter at, at Brian and you can find myself on Twitter at, at DevJake. Brian, we have the crew back for a, uh, a a duo show, which we haven't had since uh, since we were at BP Boston. So this is this is sort of a landmark event for us, my friend. Yes, it is. And anyone who has bothered to listen to us and follow us from one to the other knows that these are the podcasts where things get a little weird. Um, so with that said, let's get weird, man. Yes, I agree. We do love to get weird. It's one of my favorite things about you, Brian. So the first thing I want to talk about is your new obsession, which is uh, Benintendi versus Mookie. Uh, you started doing some exploration on that. Uh, we know that it's not really a fair offensive comp because you've dug into it a little bit more. But my question for you, Brian, is this upcoming year, will Benintendi be more close offensively to Mookie Betts or will he be closer to Jackie Bradley Jr.? I think that he will probably end up closer to bets. I wouldn't. I think it. It's mostly depends on what, how well Jackie does. You know, Jackie's best case scenario, with a Benintendi, it probably looks like a Benintendi, above average case. I would say, mm-hmm. um, maybe with a little power from Jackie, um, and obviously more steals. Not that that matters entirely outside of fantasy you know it's it matters but i think in fantasy it's a little overvalued but just a little backstory is that 
no one cares about your fantasy league, but Jake and I are in a dynasty league where we, in our first rounds, Jake had a higher pick than me. He picked bets and I picked Benintendi. And I said, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a story saying that actually Benintendi is better. And then I really looked at the numbers and there's no, I mean, there's no argument for that. No. Uh, I do think that in general, um, Based on what he's done, Benintendi's production is obviously closer to JBJ's right now. But I think that uh, I would say he will end up closer to Mookie Betts. What do you think? I actually agree with you. Um, I love so much about what Andrew Benintendi brings to the table. I think he, he brings a really good approach at the plate. His walk rate is really strong. He doesn't strike out a lot. Uh, he barrels a lot of pitches. Uh, I think the power is only going to continue to grow as he gets more comfortable and more selective in the zone. Uh, the high OBP is going to lead to high run totals for him. Um, I agree with you, and I do think that he's a bigger threat on the bases, especially if he can get to be a smarter base runner. Because last year we saw him do a lot of dumb shit on the bases. Um, and if he can kind of clean that up, refine some of those skills, work with Xander. I mean, Xander's one of the best on the bases uh, to watch. Um, I think he could be a legitimate 2020 threat every single year and post averages closer to 300. So I think the, the, the slash line is going to look very similar to Betts aside from power. I just think that Betts is going to he's going to have more doubles. He's going to have more triples. He's going to have more home runs. He's just going to he's going to take it away there. And I just don't think that Jackie Bradley, even in a great year, like 2016 was a great year for Jackie Bradley Jr. I don't think that Jackie can match sort of the bat-to-ball skills that those other guys have. He's very good. He's talented. He's got a lot of pop, but I just don't think he has that type of skill. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I do think that it's possible that Jackie's offense doesn't improve terribly from here on out. And I would say it's very unlikely that Benintendi's offense does not improve. Sorry for the double negative, but I think that there's every reason to think that he's going to get better and continue to get better for a while. On top of everything we've said uh, and everything you've said, I just – even more so with Mookie because Mookie – I mean I love Benintendi's swing so much. I think it's just beautiful. I think it's like – batting titles might be contained within the swing itself. I agree with that. And he's just trying to loosen it out. Now, the funny thing about Mookie is that Mookie's swing is not, I wouldn't say it's pretty. It's just amazingly fast. Uh, it's, it's, you're just shockingly fast. So, uh, aesthetically, I'm drawn to Penitenti, but the numbers, the numbers put me in my place on that one. That said, in addition to what you were saying about uh, the the rates, with Mookie batting one and Benintendi batting two, the counting stats also are going to be off the charts. Yeah, that's because, for sure. The RBI totals are going to be up there for Benintendi. Exactly, and and especially for JD Martinez, though we're going to be talking about the batting order shortly. So I have to ask you, one of the commonalities between um, Benintendi's, I mean, uh, Jackie Bradley's excellent season in 2016 and Mookie Betts's excellent season was that they both had protection in the lineup uh, in the form of David Ortiz. 
Now both of those guys do have protection again, and looking at the years that they had those years, I mean, it's just ridiculous, especially that Mookie season where he only struck out 11% of the time and hit 31 home runs with 26 stolen bases. He was an absolute monster. But Jackie during that year was also really healthy, um, hit 26 bombs, and, you know, drove in a lot of runs. He was he was a really solid player. So how much do you think that protection is going to actually influence those guys this year? Well, the protection probably wouldn't do anything for JBJ because he's presumably going to be down below it. Yeah, he should be, yep. Though there could be some trickle-down effects, perhaps just by having a uh, a more exhausting lineup for pitchers. I certainly hope that's the case. I do get the sense with Betts, because Betts has talked about it, um, that everything we were saying that last year seemed like nobody was having fun, that Betts was one of the people not having fun and not enjoying himself, which is why it's shocking and why I very briefly entertain the notion of Ben Attendee being better when you actually go and look at Mookie's stats from last year. He's <laughs> still a very good baseball player. So I think that no matter what, Mookie was bound for some progression, and I think that adding big bats behind him certainly does not hurt. Yeah, and Mookie was horribly unlucky in terms of batted ball data. You know, when, when balls were in play for him, they were often finding people in the field in not a good way for him. So um, I, I think he's only going to go up. But I do agree with you, Brian, that I could definitely envision some years over the next, I don't know, five years. Let's say both of these guys end up staying with the Red Sox, and I think they probably will because why would you let two guys like this get away? You're talking uh, about Ben and and Betts, right? Ben and and Betts, yeah, Ben and and Betts. Um, I don't think that it's it's out of the realm of possibility that they will have a few years where their stats look nearly identical. I totally agree. I think that there's a good chance that there's going to be a bunch of times where maybe they both are all-stars. And that's great. I think that the point is not to pin down who is ultimately the champion of the other because it doesn't really work that way. We're just making that comparison. The fact that we get these two guys and everything we put in the lineup is on top of them is incredible. So the only measure by which Benintendi fails to live up to anything is uh, he's not Mookie Betts, A, and B, he was not great on the bases last year, but that describes, except for Bogarts, pretty much everybody on the team. Yeah, and also he did cut his hair, which I'm pretty pissed about. How do you feel about the hair thing? I'm going to tell an unrelated story so I don't have to talk about it. And that was <laughs> somebody came to our house the other day and goes, oh, your daughter's hair is out front. I was like, what are you talking about? She had gotten a haircut and they had cut a little lock of the hair and tied it up. It looked like someone just cut off a ponytail, but it fell out of my wife's purse and it was just sitting in the front of the house. So somebody comes, oh, I have your daughter's hair for you. That's It was very strange. And uh, – it's a preferable story to talk about Benny cutting his hair because that's just too sad. As a as a father, Brian, how did you react to that news? That is very strange news to get from somebody. Did you know the person who brought you your daughter's hair? Yeah, I thought she was being – I thought she was crazy and then she showed it to me. <laughs> and just the way it was cut, it was just really disconcerting and I threw it away immediately. 
Oh yeah, that's that is super creepy. Don't Even if it's from the nicest person in the world, it's super creepy. We have a million. Like we taking photos is the easiest thing in the world now. I don't need to keep her hair. No, no, that is very outdated. All right, so let's get to the main event here because uh, we all know Mookie is a very accomplished bowler. And everybody that follows me on Twitter knows how much I love using the Mookie bowling gifs. Um, Mookie has been teaching fellow outfield mate Jackie Bradley Jr. how he bowls, and apparently there's a bit of a budding bowling rivalry between these two. Brian, would you care to elaborate on this story? Well, I don't know what a gif is, but the gifs you post are great. So I was listening. Sweet peanut butter, by the way. Oh my god! Um, Right, and it's spelled with a J. Anyhow, I have started listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast because it's easy to do. And Buster Only was telling a story about. It might have been a correspondent, but it's Buster Only's podcast. But they were talking about how Jackie Bradley Jr., who has always. Give, I mean, there have been stories about it, about how he's just an incredibly well-rounded athlete. Mm-hmm. I believe he was a great football player. I think that's right. And he decided he's a very competitive person, and he decided he was going to be beat Mookie in bowling. And he's gotten closer and closer. And then the, the night that. Oh, I know who it was. It was Jessica Mendoza. She was oh. telling the story oh, to right. Buster. She, she just bowled with those guys in Xander, this too. That was that she, sweet picture. That's what she's talking about. Yeah. She was saying that Zan, uh, JBJ tied Mookie and is clearly excellent at bowling. Like he's probably not as good at Mookie as Mookie. He can't consistently be as good. But I would say maybe a good comparison is that compared to – at bowling, JBJ is more Benintendi to Mookie's Mookie than he is JBJ to Mookie's Mookie. Wow, that is super impressive. I gotta say, because I imagine that like, so I just went bowling with my my younger brother, and I bowled some really embarrassing scores that I don't even want to talk about here. Um, also, I don't bowl. Like, I have no idea how to bowl. I just literally take the ball and chuck it up the whatever you call it, the alley, and and hope that things happen in a good way. Yeah, you way. really don't. It's called the lane. The, the alley is where the all the lanes are. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I have no clue what I'm talking about. Um, but I, I got to imagine that, like, a shitty game for Mookie Betts is over 200, right? Like, him yes. just oh, messing around yeah. is over 200? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Definitely. Uh, for the record, my high, my record high is 198. I don't think I've gotten within like 40 of that any other time. But Jessica Mendoza was saying that Mookie, uh, like many professional bowlers or semi-professional bowlers, he was using spin and just and and J- JBJ is going straight down the middle. He's just <laughs> straight just powering down. Powering it. Yeah, which I think is a way to. It's Mookie's way is a much better way to do it. Uh, regularly but it i think this what this speaks to is that jbj is just a naturally incredible athlete and or a competitor and maybe throws into relief how good a lot of these guys are at a lot of things because especially things that involve hand-eye coordination because they're very very good at it but i thought that was i thought that was an awesome story and for what it's worth uh she was she uh 
what did she do? She did something all cool with the Blue Jays too, where they she like went golfing with them, and just got great stories. I really, uh, I really recommend if if people come across her features like that that you dig into them because she's uh, she's getting different angles. Obviously, like this is an awesome this is an awesome little tidbit. I really like Jessica Mendoza too. I think that's a great wreck. Um, it does it is an interesting thing though to, to think about who might be the best athlete on the Red Sox right now. And I think that if I was forced to pick somebody, it would be Jackie Bradley Jr. And I'm not even sure that it's all that close to me. Yeah, I agree. I was gonna say I don't. I mean, it would probably be. I mean, probably be better than Benintendi. <laughs> I don't know. I think Bogey is a super That's good true. athlete too. Be one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, like definitely. One of the mid twenties guys who plays the uh, athletic skill positions, you know. Although I noticed that the other day on Twitter, uh, Ben Intendi was uh, no, what was it? Mookie and Holt were teaming up uh, in um, the ping pong. So I wonder if. Mookie and Jackie Bradley Jr. have to be separate in any event because if they team up, it just, like, destroys the other team. It's possible. And you can imagine Brock Holt being good at various sports uh, on a – maybe not on a professional level. That's a joke, Brock. You're fine. (laughs) You probably won't make the team, or maybe you will, maybe you won't, but – I could see him being very good at uh, lots of sports, but I also agree with you there. Also, it's possible that the bowling thing is like now they got to be on different teams. Yeah. Because because now they got beef, fake beef, but beef. Um, here's a question for you about JBJ. If JBJ was to train for any other sport hockey, baseball, basketball, whatever, any anything other than what he actually did. So he did baseball, obviously. Um, do you think he could have been a professional athlete in any of the other three major sports? No, no enough to say, but I am fairly sure that he played uh, football and was very good at it. But uh, maybe it's a different... He was a South Carolina Gamecock. That's top-level yeah, no, football. He, no, he did not play football at South Carolina, though. No. I was wrong about that. I'm sure they wouldn't want those guys to. I mean, one hit to the knee and that's it. Yeah. I I mean, I'd say football is the most likely unless he's, you know, golf or tennis. You never know. Anyone can just be – any individual athlete can rule at those sports. Yeah. And unless you see them do it in your spare time, you won't know. But I imagine Jackie Bradley would be great at football or pretty much anything he wanted to do athletically except for – not go through like three month cold streaks in major league baseball. Yeah. I guess the, uh, the, the approach of just chucking it down the lane as hard as possible is sort of the same one he takes at the plate sometimes. So that, uh, that makes sense to me. I like that. I like that. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's talk about Benny here a little bit more. Yeah, I want to. So I want to, uh, in the same league we're talking about, which I won't mention again, uh, we got – there's a lot of talk about where Andrew Benatendi, who I believe was the nominal number one prospect going into last year, but it might not have been the biggest – the best crop, and he had obviously played a little bit. He wasn't 
he hadn't exhausted his rookie eligibility, but he wasn't exactly an unknown quantity. So this year's rookie crop is or uh, prospect crop. Very good. So much so, better than last year. Right. So there's a, the the oh, the question was where would Andrew Benintendi fit on this list? And I, since you are the prospect guy, writer for the Dynasty Guru, uh, Jake Devereaux, folks. Anyhow, I'm going to name some of the prospects from this year and uh, who are in the top ten or so, mm-hmm. and see where you would rank Benintendi against them. Okay. So I'm actually just going to work off our draft list because it's more or less the top, you know, the same thing. So I'm going to skip Otani because I don't think it's a relevant comparison. I don't think it matters. Um, yeah, probably not. I see Otani as more of a pitcher than a hitter, especially. And I, and he's a established player. I mean, he's not established in Major League Baseball, but it's not – you're not really trying to project out his skill level at all, I yeah. don't think. Skill level, nasty. Yes. He's, he's good. So let me ask you – I already know the answer here. What about Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Benintendi or Vlad? Ooh. I think that if I was a GM starting a team right now, I would go with Vlad over uh, Benintendi. Even at this point, even with Vlad being 18 years old, I think that uh, what Vlad has showed is just unbelievable ability to barrel pitches, great put, uh, plate discipline. Um, and I, I think we're talking about really a, a 300, 400, 500 guy with even more potential than that. If I mean, that type of hyperbole is kind of crazy uh, to, to talk about with an 18-year-old, but that's the type of skill that he has. So while we he love be better Benintendi, than his dad. Yeah, exactly. He could actually be better than his dad, uh, which is an absurd thing to say. So even though he might end up moving to first base, uh, you know, first base versus left field, I don't know. There's not that much difference defensively between those two positions. So... Yeah, I think I got to give it to Vlad. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm gonna largely abstain from this because I have a dog in the fight, and I don't know as much about the prospects, though I'm learning quickly. But that is my my instinct is that Vlad's ceiling is sort of visibly higher, and you know, it's possible they end up playing. I feel like if they ended up with the same level, it would be a pretty high level. So that would be great for Benintendi. Also, and I said I wouldn't mention the league. Somebody just gave you Vlad Jr. So, I, you know, I don't – I know you love him. So let's move on. Okay. How about Ronald Acuna? Oh, uh, you're killing me, man. I got to go Ron Acuna here too. Um, this is really bizarre because if you if you look at last year's prospect list on BP Boston, I mean uh, not BP Boston, BP, the top 101, uh, Ben and Sandy rated third on that list. Um, but but this year the prospect Ooh, class is just it was um, Alex Reyes was at number one before he underwent surgery. Dansby Swanson laughable at this point uh, was number two, and then it was Ben Intendi. Um, so this is sort of before we discovered what Ron Acuna was and what uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. was. But, uh, man, Acuna just looks like the best outfield prospect that anyone has seen since 
that year that Trout and Harper were prospects. Like, that's the type of comparison that we have here. Uh, this is an abnormally strong year for prospects, and with Acuna, you legitimately have 30-30 potential. Um, and, I mean, Benny, Benny's close. He's close. Uh, he's much more sure thing than Acuna. I think that Benny will have better uh, batting averages. I think that Benny might have better OBPs, but Benny's just, he does not have the raw power uh, that Acuna does. So, slight edge Acuna. All right, how about Eloy Jimenez? Mm, give me Benny. Uh, Eloy Jimenez might bat 250, but he'll probably hit 40 bombs. Um, basically, this is the Benintendi versus Judge argument, um, without Judge being actually established and being Judge. Yeah, without uh, having hit 50 home runs. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, and I already think that that is way closer than people actually give it credit for. Like at the end of the day, if you're to ask me who has a better career, Benintendi or Judge. I think it's going to be super close between those two. So I'm going to go with Benintendi here because I think he's he's proven it. I agree with you, and I think that I think Benintendi and Judge are going to end up putting up a lot of similar value, uh, a similar aggregate value in different, totally different ways. Yeah, I think they're you know, they're both great players, and well. Judge is arguably already great, or was, for a half season. Um, we'll see. All right, how about Victor Robles? Uh, again, I'll take Ben Intendi. I think we've we've sort of reached the point in the, the prospect list where... Uh, well, that was two guys. It was two guys. What yeah. about the other What about the other kids, the other Major League Baseball juniors? Fernando Tatis Jr. and Bo Bichette. No, no, not even close. Those what guys... about Gliber? No, it, to me, there's a teardrop uh, right basically uh, where Robles is. I think after that, it's like y- you start to get to a point where, you know, we don't know whether Bo Bichette's going to be a shortstop. We don't know whether he's going to be at second base. We don't really know how that bat's going to translate to the upper levels. I mean, there's a lot of questions with those guys. Um, Tatis looks really good, but at the same time, Benny does what Benny does, and he's in the pros right now. So. Uh, Robles is definitely the better defender. I don't think he has quite the bat that Benintendi has. Uh, he's got speed, but so does Benintendi. So give me Benny all day long. And I so that means you have him ahead of Kopech and Kyle oh, yeah. Tucker. Yeah, okay. no, there's no one else on the list that I would uh, put in front of Benintendi. Really, it is just those two rare jewels at the top of this particular class that. Uh, I would still slot Benintendi behind. So if I was going to rank prospects today, I would put him three. Okay, but but what about – okay, let's just add the guys from last year too. What about Alex Reyes and uh, Yohan Moncada? Mm, to me, it's not even close with those guys. Uh, Alex Reyes, I, would, I mean, as good as he is, I would never take a pitcher above a player like Benintendi precisely for the reason that Alex Reyes got hurt. You know, like pitchers get hurt all the time. Um, so much less reliable, especially if you were building a real team. And Yuan Mankata, I have always liked less than everybody else. And I think you remember this specifically from when— Not we, less than me, buddy. Well, probably true. But we both haven't been high on him, and I think for the same reasons, is that there's just so much freaking swing and miss in his game right now and so many pitch recognition issues that, like, that's the thing that I cling to as a prospect person like as a person that follows this stuff i always look at hit tool and if you don't have the hit tool 
or if you have some sort of hole in your hit tool, that can be an issue. And that can be an issue that can keep you from ever reaching a certain level. And while all the tools are there and they're louder tools with Mankata, I always preferred the Benintendi package because Benintendi had a legit 60, 65, 70 hit tool. That's, I mean, it's rare. Yeah, I'm with you. And obviously the Red Sox agree because that is why, presumably, Mankata was the one who went to Chicago in the Chris Sale trade instead of Benintendi. I would have okay, volunteered I'm... to drive him to the airport. Yeah, I and I mean, I think that Kopech is, would you, uh, let's just take a little side road. Kopech or Mankata? Uh, give me Kopech. Yeah, I think so too. Yep. Uh, okay, so you'd have him third. That's that's pretty given our fourth behind Otani too. That's uh, that's pretty good given the company. I think that this is a obviously the very talented crew. But yeah, uh, that's good. I I mean I think that I I'm just so excited to watch Benintendi this year and. Uh, I'm just so excited to watch the whole team this year. I'd love to watch J.D. Martinez actually play. That That's going to be awesome. It is going to be such a treat to actually see these guys in action. So I don't know if you uh, noticed, but MLB.com released their projected lineups for 2018 this year. And this is how they have their Red Sox. They have Mookie, Benintendi, Henley Ramirez, J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, Jackie Bradley Jr., Christian Vasquez, followed by Eduardo Nunez. Tell me where there's an easy out in that lineup right now. Uh, Hanley Ramirez. <laughs> maybe, maybe if he sucks again. Um, well, let let's let's jump ahead to the next item on your agenda because this is right where we, right where we're uh, we're aiming at, and I'll just sort of rehash it here. Where Alex Cora is insisting that Hanley is his three-hole hitter. And how do I believe that the platoon between Hanley and Moreland is going to shake out? I don't – I can't imagine that Hanley should be hitting third. It just doesn't seem – I can understand why he would be hitting third to start. But that really seems like it should be J.D. Martinez followed by Devers. Do you agree? I do agree, and I explained this to a friend of mine the other day as just great coaching by Cora at this point. Uh, he knows that it is in the best interest of the team to have good Hanley and motivated Hanley, and Hanley is the guy that needs to always feel like the man. Like, Hanley needs to be pumped up sometimes and believe that he is, you know, the Hanley Ramirez, the great Hanley Ramirez. And I think that if Cora was to say anything else to him, if he was going to say, like, oh, yo, by the way, you're going to be the weak side of the platoon or whatever, we're not going to be relying on you this year, like, I think that might shut him down a little bit. So by doing this, maybe what you do get is that that actually number three hitter Hanley. You know, we know he can be that guy. We saw it in 2016. We know he can do that. Um, and I think the, what Cora is trying to do is coax that out of him. So if he can get him to that point, like, you know, screw it, man. Let let Hanley play every day. If he's going to mash, let him mash. But um, I still I agree. Think Just let that... him hit fifth or sixth. Yeah. I, under, I understand. Like, there's no – I mean, you couldn't even sit Hanley down and say, why should you hit in front of J.D. Martinez and expect him to give you a good answer? No, but it, he, he would be – I could see him being pissed hitting behind a kid like Devers. As good as Devers is, I could see I him being pissed. 
I totally agree, and I could see him being like, oh, yeah, I understand how left-right, left-right looks. I'm still pissed. It yeah. works. I'm still pissed. So I get that. I would like to see this be uh, a – I would hope that this is a ploy and that the ploy then has – look, if if they do it and Hanley hits, then you don't have to worry about it. If they do it and Hanley doesn't hit, get him out. I don't think that the leash is going to be very long. Let me say that I do believe all this stuff from Cora, that he's actually going to start the year as the three-hitter, and I think they're going to give him time to figure this out. But the leash is going to be much less long than we actually think, especially with Moreland over there ready to take out some of these at-bats. He's a sure thing at first. I mean, the way that Dave Dombrowski talked about Hanley Ramirez and that DH position uh, during the offseason last year, right after they lost that playoff series, was ominous, to say the least. He was the, the, the one, one or two players that he actually mentioned by name that that production needed to improve. I don't think that Dombrowski has a lot of time for his nonsense that can arise, and I don't think that the leash is going to be very long at all, should things not go swimmingly. Yeah, it's clearly a put-up-or-shut-up situation. Yeah. So I I understand why they're doing it, but I think that come playoff time, uh, hopefully, hopefully the Red Sox are in the playoffs, uh, but I sort of expect them to be. And come playoff time, I would not expect Hanley to be hitting third. Yeah, no, neither would I. I would, I would certainly bet against that. All right, Brian, put your seatbelt on right now. Do you know why? Because Blake Swihart will be hitting third. <laughs> yes, I'm buying it. The Blake Swihart hype is alive. If any of you follow me on Twitter, you've seen an absolutely stalkerish following of uh, Blake Swihart by me. Um, I am obsessed. I have been talking about the merits of Blake Swihart forever. Uh, if you've been following this podcast from BP Boston, he is my dude. Uh, and I have also been saying on this podcast here at Over the Monster that we can't sleep on this guy because he has these skills. So far during spring training, let's overreact to what he's done. 15 ABs so far. He is slashing 400, 471, 867. This guy is absolutely crushing it. He has four doubles and one home run within this short period of time. Blake looks like the freaking man right now. Yeah, I'm not sure he's the freaking man, but I, I definitely think that every indication is that he's going to be a utility guy. And maybe, as Jen McCaffrey tweeted today, the second catcher, but I'm not too sold on that. But it certainly seems like he's in the team's plans. Uh, the way he's being just, you know, Brock Holt is still around and he's still getting playing time. But I get the sense he's being used more to fill out lineups uh, in spring training than he is to than he is to like, gauge how he's playing. I think Swired is being gauged, and whether you think that spring training matters or not, he's certainly doing everything that's asked of him. Importantly, he's playing all over the place, and he's playing all the time. So I think that there's – as we'll get to with Bobby Pointer, I think there are some clues we can – in grab from what we've seen so far and that is Blake Swihart is really part of their plans and that is good for you because you want to marry him and make babies 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that I want to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger in whatever that film is, but, you know, I, I'd take him out to a nice dinner. And a what do you shirt. mean, whatever? It's Twins. It's called Twins. Is that, that, that is not the movie where, uh, where he has a baby. Oh, that's right. It's not the movie. Junior is the movie he has the baby. Junior, yes. God, I'm old. I I'm can't old believe because... he agreed to do that movie. I can, man. There was a he just getting paid. <laughs> Kindergarten Cop was great, man. This was this era where Schwarzenegger was finally just moving into non. He's moving into comedies, and uh, yeah. I mean, if The Rock did it, it'd be great. Anyhow, let's can... get back. Can I ask you before we get back to baseball? Here, sure, sure, sure. What is a better Schwarzenegger film in your mind? Terminator 2, which I think is the better of the Terminators. You can debate that, but not now. Or Predator 1. Well, I haven't seen Terminator 2 in a long time. And I've only seen Predator a couple times. But I would say predator nice i like it i love both of those movies they're two of my favorites but uh, i, I think, think but I here's the here's the who goes back and watches terminator 2 oh i i literally have it right next to me okay well then i answered that question yeah i feel like there's more i think around the terminator phenomenon there's much more cultural sort of weight but around predator specifically there's very Maybe I'm just thinking of like the It's Always Sunny running gags uh, and other various shows. But Predator is like everyone liked Terminator 2, right? In right. To some degree. It's a great movie. It's a great action movie. It's still a great action movie. I believe it won an Oscar for Best Special Effects. Yeah, I mean it's one of the few movies where special effects still look good. Yeah. But Predator itself is – it's it's a very it's sort of uh, you liked it before it was cool like Schwarzenegger, um, and it's just f- funny and ridiculous. It's great. And I the mean, cast consists of two muscled up governors, future governors. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, pretty sweet. Anyhow, Blake Swihart, let's get Wait, back to Blake Predator here. The one, is Predator the one where he kills the guy on the plane, or is that Commando? That's Commando. <laughs> don't wake my friend he's dead tired um the so i have to say one more thing about the predator here P- predator's the one when carl weathers is is per- pretty much the most jacked he's ever been in his life uh, if any of you guys are wondering who carl weathers is he's apollo creed from the rocky movies and... also just a ridiculous twitter just a ridiculous Ooh, every tweet he ends with be peace he's very at peace interesting uh, very loving guy it's it's entertaining well he and schwarzenegger were very on steroids for this movie and in the opening scene they do like a handshake together but it's not really a handshake they slap hands and then do like an in-air arm wrestling match and the camera just pans to their biceps and it is just an amazing scene this podcast is amazing yes absolutely all right so blake swear I think that the team has only two options at this point with how good Blake is playing right now. Obviously, he has no options left. We've talked about that ad nauseum on here. He either has to be on the roster, on the bench, be a part of that bench, or 
he plays so freaking well that some team makes the Red Sox a godfather offer for him, and they're like, fine, we'll help the team. We need to carry another catcher. We need more flexibility, and they trade him. Which of those scenarios do you feel is most likely? By far the first one. Okay, I'm with far you, and I would be super sad if Blake gets traded away. And I really can't see like any team being that confident that they're going to be able to carry him and find a spot for him this year. That's That's – I agree with you. I would, however, not be super sad if they traded him because I think if anybody traded for him, they must really want him. And as much as you like Blake Swihart, if someone overpaid us for Blake Swihart, I would happily take it. Yeah, depends on what the overpay is, but you know that's I, true. I'd at least entertain it, and you know what, what? whatever's best for his well-being, I'm voting for. Oh my God! By the but, what do we even need anymore? Like uh, that's the great thing about Blake Swihart in this situation, is that it's all added value at this point. Yeah, it's there's just no gravy. more. There's no more worry. There's no more expectations. You have to do this, that, and the other. You have to play catcher. You have to. No, no, no. Go play as much as you can. He's making the opportunities. It's March 1st. It's early. But I think you will have a year of Blake Swihart in your life, at least on the Red Sox. You can buy whichever jersey color you don't already have for him. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with. I'm I'm gonna try and see if I can find a Swihart green jersey. Ooh, I was gonna say the red one is always a good choice, but the green one would really be. Yeah, just look at the site on St. Patrick's Day. That's okay. what you do. I'm gonna do it. All right, so we've got four bench spots now, and we have five individuals who are legitimately vying for those spots because now we know that Eduardo Nunez is signed. It looks like he's going to be healthy, so he's going to figure into the second base spot as the starter until Pedroia gets back. That leaves us Swihart, Mitch Moreland, Devin Marrero, Brock Holt, and Sandy Leone vying for those spots. Who do you see as the odd man out here? I mean, just from reading Twitter... And from reading what people who know more about it than me say, as much as I would sort of reflexively say Marrero, I think the answer is Holt. Moreland uh, is not Moreland is not going anywhere. Nope, Moreland's not going anywhere. Leon, I really can't see going anywhere. I don't think he has any trade value to speak of, and I think that the team really values what he brings defensively. I'm with you, man. Marrero is such a better glove than Holt at this point in that offense. Like, you have no idea how it's going to come back. So the one thing I'll say is that I was listening to the Sox Prospects podcast, which if you enjoy this podcast and specifically the prospect talk that we have on it, go check that one out too because those guys do a great job. Um, But they said that uh, Holt actually has an option left, which they can use. But by using that option, Holt makes less money. Um, by uh, by doing that, he, so he's he's set to make a little over two million dollars this year. But if they exercise that option and send him to AAA, uh, he'll make just six hundred thousand dollars. And I have a hard time envisioning that the team would do that to him, considering what he's meant to the team over the years. So I kind of think that the team might either DFA him or keep him on the roster. And I'm leaning more towards DFA as well. Yeah, I. I think so, and I think that the glove, Marrero's glove is important when you have uh, not just Swihart and not just Nunez, but, you know, further down you have Esteban Quiroz, who is a 26-year-old baseball player from the Mexican League who is a, he's a, you know, he's a veteran 
basically. He's not a, he's not young, no. but he can do lots of things. He covers the same. Holt's areas of expertise are now covered. You know, there was a time where Brock Holt was critically important, but now they've done a great job of papering over all the places you'd need to use Brock Holt. And maybe before this morning, I would have said to you, oh, I don't, you know, the Red Sox wouldn't do something just because he was good to the team. And I probably would have been wrong anyway. But I, again, I was listening to Baseball Tonight podcast today, and they were talking about the Indians, how Francona has signed Mike Napoli, and he's coming into spring training, but the Indians have no intention of signing Mike Napoli. They're doing it so that he can get tryouts for other teams because hmm. – he has a good relationship with Francona. He has a good relationship with the team. I mean, this was speculation, but it was Buster speculating, which is basically saying that this is the case. So I thought that was really interesting. And I think that, yeah, in spring training, teams can do solids for players with whom they have good relationships. And the Holt and the Red Sox clearly have a good relationship. I don't think the relationship is good enough to get him on the team this year. But to treat him as well as possible in having that not happen, I, I, I agree with you. I, I can see uh, DFA happening before they send him back to Pawtucket. I love that, by the way. Napoli getting a, a little bit of a showcase. Francone is awesome. That's great. That's great stuff to hear. Yeah. Um, it is also going to be really hard, though, to see the great story that is Jeremy Barfield uh, not have really a chance at this roster at this point. Uh, we've talked about Barfield a little bit here. 6'5", monster. He's already had a home run this spring. But I just really can't see him even vying for one of those spots at this point with J.D. Martinez signing. He's going to be the de facto fourth outfielder here. Uh, probably not going to happen, right? Yeah. And <laughs> it's funny. Uh, Jessica Mendoza was also talking about being at spring training. And she went out to the outfield and she saw Barfield talking to the to like Betts and, and Bradley. She was like, what is this football player doing here? Who is this guy? Who is this, this is giant. Because he's just so much bigger than than most baseball players, uh, outfielders specifically, you know, non-Aaron Judge category. But, yeah, I, it's hard to see. It's too bad I like having him around. But the J.D. Martinez is J.D. Martinez. And it's, you know, this is the Red Sox. It's... You gotta, if you're not, you, you gotta make your way onto the roster somehow, and I, I just don't think Barfield's done it. I, I hope they're able to at least keep him in the organization, though, because if any anybody gets like hurt, you you know that anybody in the Red Sox outfield can play center field, and even though Barfield is strictly a corner guy, I mean, I'd like to see him get a shot at some point. Obviously, not at the expense of an injury, but injuries happen, so. I just want him to be in the organization so every time we play the Orioles, we can just call him up and have him on the bench. So if and when we fight, he can just kick some ass. Oh, he would kick so much ass against oh the Orioles. Oh, my God. He <laughs> would be – he's a – he'd be an ass kicker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But about the only team in the A, at least, the Red Sox shouldn't fight is the Yankees, right, with, with Judge and Stanton at this point. They've got no one who can go head to head with those. Stan guys. ain't gonna do anything. Stan and Judge ain't gonna do anything. You Gary Sanchez. Oh yeah, that's Gary right. Gary Sanchez is the one you gotta worry about. Uh, I don't know if I would take Barfield against Sanchez just because 
I think Sanchez will fight dirty. <laughs> You're convinced that Sanchez is like some type of secret assassin. I absolutely well, love it. I don't, I don't think it's secret. But second of all, I think that he is the next. There's been some hateable Yankees, but I, I think maybe I only speak for myself. And that the last few years, it's, it's sort of been disappointing because I've liked a lot of the Yankees. Uh, like, I, I've always liked CeCe Sabathia, and I don't care what other people say. I I liked him. Like, I like Beltran. I like Granderson when he was on the Yankees. And I just hated that this they went through this period of having guys I liked. I sort of like Stanton, but he is obviously – he's in a way like a perfect Yankee. Judge, he's a – you know, what are you going to do about judge Sanchez? Fuck that guy. I love this. I love having a guy to hate as much as I hate that, that guy. Do you hate him as much as you hated Jorge Posada already? Cause I, I fucking hated Jorge Posada. Well, I mean, it's almost a not fair comparison because how can you hate anyone as much as you hate Jorge Posada? <laughs> That's true. But Sanchez, I think, is a – I mean, he's certainly a better hitter. I mean, Posada was a very good hitter, not get me wrong. But Sanchez has the possibility to be a, a much better hitter than him. And uh, – God, I just hate that we're talking about Jorge Posada. Next – uh, I want to call our, our listeners out here for a second. Uh, listeners, I challenge you to give us your most hated Yankees of all time. And also as a bonus, if you would like to give us your most hated Red Sox players of all time, because you know you have one. I definitely have one. His name is Joel Pinheiro, and no one probably oh. even remembers that he pitched for the Red Sox, but I hated everything about every minute that he pitched for the Red Sox. You're uh, not allowed to choose Carl Crawford. <laughs> Um, or Pablo, right? That's too easy. Or Pablo. Uh, yeah, you're not allowed to choose those guys because it's not – first of all, they were barely Red Sox. I agree. Uh, you know, you could hate Carl Everett if you wanted to. I don't, but you could. I liked him. Yeah, I mean I liked him as a player. He's, he's a lunatic though. Yeah. Still, he's still – I'm sure he still is. <laughs> All right, let's get to your man crush here, Brian. So Bobby Pointer, Bobby freaking Pointer, who you talk about all the time. Pointer! You know what? It's seeming warranted at this point that you talk about him all the time because he's off to a really hot start. Three innings pitched so far, two Ks, over three clean innings, no freaking walks. Tell me why he should make the roster as the lefty in the bullpen with Brian Johnson presumably starting in the rotation this year. Over Robbie Scott, who I find to be kind of like milk toast sort of dude. I mean, because he's he's going to be incredibly cheap, and he's been very good, and that is a combination that is very it's winning in baseball these days. Uh, Pointer's numbers last year, uh, I think, is double A and triple A, excellent, and. He's exactly what they need, and he's going to cost them nothing. So I think that he's uh, 
certainly by the way they're using him, it seems like they really want to get a look at him. He's also 25, so uh, I might have just said 26, but he's 25, and you know it's sort of now or never with him. And I feel like it's going to be now instead of never because he's cheap and he's done everything he's asked in the last couple of years. Yeah, so something weird happened with him last year, and I haven't studied this enough, so I think I'll do that for next podcast. But Pointer underwent sort of a drastic change in terms of how many guys he was striking out. Uh, he, he struck out 13 guys per nine in in uh, high A last year and struck out almost 12 and a half guys per nine in double A while walking under three per nine. So that's a pretty good combination uh, at, you know, the, the high A of the minors. The high A doesn't, I mean, the high A is whatever, but the double A is incredibly impressive. Right. He is Does still, he we have to admit that though, he's, he's old for the level at 25 sure. years old, 24 years old. Like he's still old for the level, but like, that's hard to do at double A. Yeah. His ERA was under one. Right. <laughs> it's like Homer Simpson. This is, you might not know this reference, but Homer wins a diorama contest against kids and people say yeah but he it was against kids like yeah and homer beat their brains out so <laughs> yeah, he's 25 but he beat the crap out of those kids. you know at some point if you can if you can pitch to an under one era against double a players who are usually the cream of the crop yep uh i would say that there's they have every reason to give him a chance to take that spot yeah, I agree with you. And I think that Robbie Scott, if he does make the roster over pointer, it's just more of a comfort thing. They sort of know what Robbie Scott is. And Robbie Scott's not a bad player. Like, sure. he's, he's totally fine. Um, but pointer, I think, is certainly the higher potential player at this point. And I presume, you know, I'm not salary expert. I presume he's cheaper because he's, you know, never played in the majors. And yeah. I think that is probably the single biggest deciding factor these days yeah that's interesting i don't know what the money situation is but we'll have to look at that a little bit closer next time um i want to move on to Rusni you know just quickly about the point he's got the he's in pawtucket or he or he was in portland so he has the p on his hat he wants to go from pointer to bobby he wants that b on his hat Mm. i like it i like the transition there i like where your head's at all right castillo here so far, we're going to overreact to a second spring training stat line. 357, 400, 571 over 14 at-bats. My question to you, Brian, is does Rusni Castillo ever do enough to warrant someone trading for him because of his ridiculous contract that he got? God, I hope so. I really hope so, too. He actually does look good. I mean, like, you you watch the guy out there, and you're like, oh, shit, he can field, he can hit, like, this guy's pretty good. I wonder if someone's going to see something in him. I mean, the Red Sox would have to send a bunch of money, though, right, to get this yeah, guy I out mean, of here? He is, the, he is the living, breathing, quadruple-A player. So he's – this is his time, man. And Him and Sam Travis. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and Pablo Sandoval at this point. But, you know, and, and the reason I mention him is that Tom, friend of the podcast, Tom Pringle, was nice enough to remind everyone that Pablo Sandoval's 2000 spring, 17 spring training was amazing. 
And that is what I see when I look. I don't see that when I look at Blake Swihart's numbers. And I don't just because of the situation. When I look at what Rusney is doing, that's what I see. Yeah. I see you're hitting fastballs off crappy pitchers because it's early. Because that is you're very good at that. But now good pitchers are going to come, and they're going to be throwing different pitches. Yeah. First and time he then, sees a yacker, his knees might break. So I'm not really – I'm certainly not confident anyone's going to trade for Rusney. I'm not confident for Rusney at all. I would I would love him to get a good moment in Major League Baseball before it's all said and done, but I'm not confident. Well, we'll light a candle for him tonight anyway. Uh, injury news before we go on to our listener questions. Marco Hernandez just had some hardware removed apparently from his surgically repaired shoulder and is very likely to start the year on the DL. Uh, this is something that we talked about a little bit when we had Matt on the podcast as well, that you know, part of the reason why this whole bench discussion was so confusing is because shoulder surgery is sort of a big deal. So. Uh, he should start on the DL along with Pedroia, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Stephen Wright. Now on to some listener questions. So Patrick, who writes with me over at the Dynasty Guru, uh, asks us, how much love is too much love for Hanley Ramirez? Brian, what say you? I previously would have said, and you guys have already answered this online, that there was that the you know love is all i think what you said is it's, it's love so that there can't be enough and i would generally agree with that and i i do love hanley but i'm not gonna uh he's not someone i'm going out for on a limb for anymore i think that He's a nice he's a nice piece for the Red Sox to have as long as they can make him value added. Having him bat third is not having him bat value added. Now that you know, ultimately whatever Cora is doing, whatever you know, these psychological maneuvers, it could be that whatever it is having him bat third, it does to me read down to Hanley a little bit and make me be like, okay. If you are part of the reason you're batting third, then my love for you has dropped a little bit because you should not be doing it. I'm going to answer this with a, uh, a little bit of uh, philosophical talk here. I think that you can't know hard without knowing soft. You can't know hot without cold. And you can't know Hanley Ramirez without knowing both love and hate at the same time. You are going to both love and hate this player at different points during the season. Uh, I have loved and hated him over his time with the Red Sox so far. So I think that uh, the amount of love that you can love Hanley is dependent on how much Hanley lets you love him. I think that's a good answer. Yeah. All right. Last question of the night. Tom Pringle, friend of the pod. Tom, how are you, buddy? He says, if Brian played first base all season for the Red Sox, what would their record be? And you know what's really sweet about this question, Brian? He spelled your name correctly. I was going to try to do a, a British accent, and I decided not to. <laughs> uh, because I was going to do a real low-class one, and that's not what Tom has. Like a Liverpool accent? Uh, just like a 
Cockney accent. Anyhow, uh, if I was well, uh, I don't know. We'd win 120 games. I mean, how much, how much better than Hanley am I? I'm pretty good, right? Uh, Do you think you could learn how to effectively bunt by the end of the season against major league pitching? Yes. How long I'm, do you think it would I'm take for, you? I'm 40, by the way, but yes. Uh, three how months long until would... you adjust, right? At sure. least three months of regular at bats and just epically failing. Sure. I mean, I'm not like I'm pretty sporty guy. Bunting. If so, I understand they're throwing 95 miles per hour, but just to be able to maybe bunt the ball. Sure. Three months. Yeah. I mean, this is like no mark on anybody's athleticism. Like, I think if you took almost anybody in society, aside from like, you know, freak Jackie Bradley Jr. types just walking around out there. It's just so freaking hard to even, like, get the courage to square up to a ball going that fast, let alone do something correct with it. I mean, how many bad bunts would you have? It would be terrible. You'd have so many infield pop-ups when you're just learning this stuff. How many hit-by-pitches? How many times do you get whacked on the thumb? I mean, there's a good chance you end up on the DL before you figure this shit out. My college roommate, or one of the years, he was a very angry guy, and he insisted and got very angry when we – argue with him he's like i could hit 100 major league baseball i was like you could not hit 100 my friend <laughs> hell no um so i don't i if i was playing first base the red sox would be giving up an out i would be probably worse than most pitchers but you can't be worse than like john lester i mean i, I wouldn't hit a home run so how would your defense uh, be I'd probably get decent at it, but I don't like getting hit with the ball. I mean, I didn't like getting hit the ball when I was a teenager. I'm a bit sturdier now, so I think that'd be okay. Uh, I think they'd win 82 games. I think I'd cost them about 10 to 15 wins. <laughs> that, might, that might be overstating it. No, but... no. I, I think that that's about right for any like non-professional athlete coming in. 10 to 15 wins is reasonable. Maybe by the end of the season, you're not costing them quite as much. And maybe you guys sneak into the wild card and do some damage. So it could happen. But you're definitely hitting at the bottom of the order. Yeah, but I'm hitting. That's right. That's for sure. Do you think you would actually get one hit? I think I would get exactly one hit. Okay. Um, I don't think I would get a hit. I don't know. Maybe I would. I don't know. You're working with the best instructors in the world for an entire year presumably so i would probably get a hit but man that's ridiculously yeah. hard i mean all they have to do as you said is just throw yakers and then that's you know that's the end of it yeah there's no way i could hit a major league curve all right uh that does it for this week's edition of the podcast if you enjoyed us and if you have any sort of good taste you did um you can check us out on uh itunes on stitcher on any place you can find podcasts you can subscribe to us there and rate and review us give us five stars tell us how great we are uh tell us how much you love brian and myself and matt and all all the people we have on this podcast and uh you know get the show to come to your phone or whatever device you listen to us on uh every day because that's what you should do uh also follow us on twitter brian at brian joiner brian with a y and me on twitter at, at dev jake and we will be with you next week thank you guys thanks bye brian. bye